So, hello everybody, I'm Stefano Arnhold from Tectoy from Brazil. You follow the Scene World podcast show. It's the Scene World podcast. He's him, I'm me. Um, yeah. How's it going? Good, good, good. Um, alrighty. So, in a minute, we will talk to Antrash um, Koptash. And um, he is one of those guys that is into the Hungarian um, C64 Amiga scene. And he is having this association called Insert Coin that is working on preserving the history of and culture of classical video games and all that in Hungary. And we spoke about... Um, about the classic video games and the situation of um, people having problems to get software in Hungary behind the Iron Curtain. Mm, so that is a really interesting interview because um, I think there's not much known about this episode in Hungary. And I think it's similar to our um, third podcast where we talked to Lobsen Alvitas um, in Peru about yes. the Peruvian Z64 and Amiga scene and so I think it's very interesting that now we have the same here about the Hungarian scene so I hope this enlightens you and um, gives you a background about the Hungarian history which, mm. which I certainly felt so so I was very happy with the result yeah and I'll be sitting this one out. I'm, I'm here for the intro, but the actual uh, interview I will not be here for. But filling in for me will be Martin Amon, our very own beloved. So, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it'll still be cool. I hope so. Right. So. In the mean, yes. In the meantime, some things have occurred since we've last been here. So I'll let you start with that. Well, um... Oh, also, you, we should point out that Jörg sounds garbage right now because he's using his, his webcam microphone because he had a issue with his normal recording equipment. Just in case anyone wonders why. Do I really sound awful? You sound like you're kind of um, got a piece of tinfoil wrapped around your mouth. And you're well, speaking that's, through that. That, but that's, that will be fixed when I edit yes, the when, audio. When, when, when he edits this audio, that should maybe he'll be able to fix that. But yeah, either way. Well, we did that before, um, yes. and I uh, was able to fix it, so let's hope. Yes, yes. You sound uh, better than you did on the very first episode, in which you sounded like I, you were in a cardboard box under about three feet of mud. Yeah, that was the speak, Skype speakerphone that I yeah. had back in the day. That yeah. was that was awful. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, so we'll be dealing with that in a minute news in the meantime um so yes you're about to say yeah so the 8-bit concert with rob hubbard is taking place in the mm -hmm. uk uh yes. in the hall city hall um cool. the 8-bit symphony um and it will be 7 30 on saturday june the 15th in 2019 okay so make sure to um to um well book your seat and of course, we will link to that. We will link to that in the podcast description, and we will also link to our um, 
podcast interviews we did with Rob Hubbard and Chris Abbott mm-hmm. um, about this um, Project Hubbard thing. Yes. And this concert is, is a part of. Yes, indeed. Right. That should be cool. That should, that should be neat because Rob Hubbard, um, there, there are some guys where their music that they've done, you can sort of see how, Dave Lowe is one of these guys, where you can see how the music that they've composed would translate to symphony. And Rob Hubbard is one of these guys where some of it is difficult to see that. He was way more, I want to say, avant-garde with the stuff he did. It was more sort of, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they translate it to symphony. Wow. Some Let's stuff see. like the skate or die theme is real super easy to imagine what it would sound like with real instruments because it sounds like it's being played on real instruments. Depending on the w- version of the game you have. Yeah, yeah, the correct version. <laughs> but but other, other songs, it'll be real interesting to see how they, uh, how they translate that over. So, yeah. Formula One simulator, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or, com- um, or Commando. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of some of his earlier works. Um, all right, we will stay in the realm of Commodore and um, David Plasson, the former um, employee from Commodore UK, and CEO well, wasn't he like and the stuff. C- yeah, he was a CEO. He wasn't just an employee. Yeah, he started out as a marketing team manager, and then yeah, so. He, he finally shipped out his book, and I received it, and it's called Commodore The Inside Story, and it also came with a Blu-ray. Hmm. So, that's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's been pretty vocal about um, the goof-ups in Commodore, so it'll be interesting to see what he says in that book. I'm, I'm certainly sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. There's a, uh, what, what a lot of us thought was an April Fool's joke, uh, being the Commodore 64 port of Farming Simulator, um, is not an April Fool's joke, and apparently it's coming out on November 20th, um, which is in a couple of days. Yeah, tomorrow, uh, actually. Yeah, tomorrow. At the time of this recording, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's a real thing that is was actually being made. It is so, so bizarre that, like, actual real games, Farming Simulator 2019, if you look at the Wikipedia page, too, it's great because it shows all the different uh, platforms it runs on. It's like Xbox and PC and this and that, and at the bottom, Commodore 64. Yeah, and the press, <laughs> like me, I got a real hardware um, cartridge, but yeah. only the press is getting that. Yeah. Um, the other people get the special edition box that is like uh, 700, uh, 70,000 times produced, I think it was the number. Right. And um, it's, it's um, a CD with the, with the image files on it. Yeah. Um, and um, in a fake... Um, looking um, like a floppy disk cover that has the CD inside. That were actually, they were involved in the development of Farming Simulator too, weren't they? It wasn't just like 
just some dude made a made a conversion of it. Like he was no, no. They actually, they actually paid. They actually paid. Um, they actually paid the group. And um, as and it comes with a manual and so on. So it's a real game. Of course, it has yeah. a. Um, um, yeah, um, well, you know, side view. You're not you're not on ego perspective, and um, it has fewer machines, but it is a real Z64 version. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. That is awesome. There's a fair amount of this happening. Um, just recently, uh, the the uh, preview version of Limbo was released on the that C64, too. and yeah. it is. It's only one level, kind of, at the moment. Um, it's it's it says you know it's scheduled for twenty twenty five or something like that. No, twenty three. Twenty twenty three. Okay, but um, five years, guys. It, yeah, but it plays really well. I've got Limbo. I downloaded it. I've had it on on the on the Mac, and I've played some of it, and it plays really really well on the C sixty four, and it translates well to it as well. So it's. You know, we're seeing stuff like that happen more and more where people are taking this this almost position of irony in that, you know, haha, we're going to make a funny conversion for the C64 and then realizing, oh, wait, people are actually going to buy this. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, it's 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 taken serious again as a platform. Yeah. And, and I would love to, you know, see where this could lead in the future. There's a lot of stuff that I feel like especially with a lot of the things that the C64 can now do that it couldn't have done back in the back in the 80s or 90s you know like i keep saying i would love to see like an ultima type game like a big role playing game but put it on an sd card and let like an sd to iec drive use it because you could put you could put a, a 5 gig game on that thing that could be the biggest goddamn role playing game ever released on the C64 and I think pretty much everyone has one of those things now because they're it, they're so they're so inexpensive and 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 convenient and 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 uh, and, and um, uh, I can't think of the word because my brain is just not working. Hmm. Um, they're just they're they're ubiquitous at this point. So it would just be cool to see what they could do with it, and it would be cool to see what other things kind of make a uh, make a C sixty four blue. Box. All right. So, what what else? What else has happened? Um, oh, wait a second. So, what what else has happened is that Digital Arrow, our friends in Serbia, actually released a beta of the single player missions of. Um, Aquinox Deep Descent, and yeah. I know that because um, they posted it recently for a beta um, access backers, and I'm one of them, and I have to say, it's awesome. The game is really awesome. It really feels like um, like an Aquinox back from the days. And, yeah. and I know because he kept asking me, like, are they ever going to release it anytime soon? <laughs> yeah, I, I backed Aquinox, but I don't, I, you know, I really don't have any history with the game. I don't have, you know, I didn't have a PC to play it on. And so I've just been, I haven't been paying too much attention to what it's been doing. But I, I remember that you were super jazzed about it and it seemed like a cool game, but I just never, never really 
kept my eye on it. So it just sort of feels like, you know, oh, we talked about this a couple of years ago, but it every so often I'll get like an update in my email about where it is, but it's like, okay, this was like four years ago now. Um, are we going to do something with this? Yeah. It took a bit longer than they expected, I think. Yeah. Well, it's a big game. It's a huge game. Yeah. All right. Hmm. And of course, um, Irata Online is still looking for people to get support. Yeah. Yeah, we've uh, since we've talked to him, the Amiga version is now out. Um, this 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 uh, this guy works at lightning speeds. I'm I'm serious. There's two versions of the Amiga version out. There's one for um, for early kickstarts like Kickstart one two one three. That is a self-booting thing. So there, it, all the workbench is built into it. So you just put a disc in and you start it. Um, the other one is for, I think, two and above, work, uh, Kickstart two and above, and that's an actual. That's just the file that sits that you use with Workbench. But, but it's running and it works and it's cool and, and he's right now looking for people to help out with, I guess, getting it more complete on the Amiga. So anyone who's got that that ability to do that, and as far as I know, it's pretty easy stuff. I just have no idea what I'm doing with it. Um, should check it out and help them. Great. And we'll put a link to all that again in the description below so you can go and look at it. <laughs> right. Yes. So for my side, that would be all. I know. Um, so... Last week, uh, we were going to do Extra Life. Ah. Um, we should address this. Um, we started to do Extra Life, and it did not. It it it, it did not pan out for for that day. Um, we lasted maybe three hours. Well, your lasted three hours. I was there for maybe an hour. Um, I do not know if you addressed the reasoning behind it. When no, I just said for private matters. Okay, okay. Okay. Uh, so, um, so we did not do it. Uh, we will, we are looking at doing it again to actually complete the 24-hour a-thon. And when we have a date, we will put it in the podcast and talk about it every place and promote it and get all that going. Which probably next year. I think it's too close to Christmas now. Well, it's it's close to Christmas, but you know, I mean, there's always, yeah, we could do it at the beginning of next year. We could, there's there's time. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, we got. We're not. Yeah, we're not. Uh, yeah. Of course, I guess people are like uh, no, now focused on you know holidays yeah. and that stuff. Yeah, yeah, the holidays. Getting Christmas nice. parcels. Yeah. Um, okay. Well. Um, well. Leisure, Larry. Um, was released. Red Dreams Don't Try. Right. I have to say, it's awesome. I played it a bit, and the box special version is great. Um, it is in the boxed edition only um, released in Germany, but I guess Amazon is helping you if you really want to have it. Right. Um, of course, apart from the German box and so on, the game itself is uh, multi-language, so you can switch between a voice in English, German, or subtitles in other languages. 
yeah. of course I play in English without subtitles. That is my thing. I lo I love English. Right, right. <laughs> so um, it really feels like the original um, Larry games from Zayera. And um, the crazy bunch, the design studio, did a very good job. And Ensemble did a great job with all the publishing and stuff. So really great. Cool. Yep. So they kept their promises at, at um, Gamescom when we had that interview with them. And also they kept the promises of the release date, which is pretty rare nowadays because... Um, things don't get released on a specific date anymore. And if so, it probably needs a 60 gigabyte one day patch. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yep. So, that's it. So, yeah, I got Let's nothing. Let's jump over. Okay, they're right there. I'm going to go and get a snack and listen to you guys talk. So, welcome to the podcast. And um, today we are talking to Antrash Kaptash. Cup <laughs> no? Something like that. Okay. Kaptash Antrash. And um, actually we met you at Gamescom this year because you had a booth in the retro area called Hungarian Pixels. Yeah, that's true. That was the situation. Okay, so I guess that means you are kind of involved into the Hungarian games from, um, well, middle of the 90s after Commodore was bankrupt in a way. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had the booth to display them, right? Yeah. So how did you actually get involved into having a booth at Gamescom? And what is your involvement in those aftermarket games? Uh, that was an aftermarket game. Uh, that is a story, especially when Hungarian, in Hungary, uh, because after the bankrupt of Commodore, we didn't know any, any uh, bankruptcy or something like that back in Hungary. Because that was the first time we uh, just met with this technology and firms. So I, I think you hear about the Iron Curtain, so of course, the yeah. political situation. So Germany was uh, split into uh, also, and the whole Hungary was behind the Iron Curtain, and we have very strange uh, 80s and. That that age uh, age was very uh, unique history in in our country, like the others, uh, the Western uh, countries, uh, because uh, all things we have it's uh, ought to be kind of illegal, uh, because there was a list, the Kokov list. Have you ever heard about this? I think Martin heard about this because um, when I told him that we will talk to you, he said this this that. In, in certain countries in East Europe, there was a history of piracy with, with games. But of course, me personally, being from Western German, I was not in touch with that. Yeah, uh, there was no any legal way to get uh, uh, programs for the systems, and all system was illegal too, because there was a Kokom list. The Kokom list uh, enlisted a lot of uh, technologies and hardware 
what they cannot uh, import uh, to the these countries. So uh, all of this was uh, just a kind of contraband. Is the stuff uh, what you can have, and uh, you have to uh, transfer it uh, on a on a border or something. So we have to. Uh, mm, transfer it to our country in illegal way. So ah. I see. So I see. That, that was all illegal because it was a cocomlet because uh, the processor the Commodore 64 uh, can be transferred uh, to nuclear warheads or something. <laughs> you know me. Okay. So that, that was a strange situation. But in Hungary there was uh, a lot of Commodore 64 uh, because uh, that time uh, was it wasn't so that hard uh, like the uh, really hot ages of the Cold War. You mean? Okay. So, so how did you actually get around this limitation and import it illegally? How did that actually work? Uh, there was a lot of people influenced for this business, and we have. Uh, a good connection. So we, I, that wasn't me because I was child uh, back time. We, I, I mean the Hungarian geeks uh, or the proto geeks or something in this country. So that was the 18, uh, and uh, uh, for the beginning of the 90s, that was a political ch uh, system changes. Uh, the co iron curtains just swept away, and we have an open. Uh, market for the video games but we have no money for that uh these times all guys have uh, maybe commodores or spectrum sets and that's all and uh for for that time uh, there was any new re any new releases uh, for the commodore 64 but we have uh, about uh, uh, 40,000 units Commodore 64 uh, in the whole country. So we have a very uh, wide market for the new games, but there was any new games on, uh, on the, uh, the market side. So uh, there was some guys who just tried to copy, copy, copy uh, uh, the disc and the uh, magnocassette, and they have already. Uh, Hard business with that, but uh, in 1991, uh, a political changes have some uh, change in the uh, the laws. We have no copyright laws uh, in the communism because the communism ideology uh, just uh, waved away uh, the copyrights because all knowledge has to uh, get from uh, all citizens, all people of the communist countries, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, so, I understand. Yeah, it's it's different because, you know, um, there's not, not, not such a thing like copyright law because um, the whole political system works different. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the, the whole ideology was different uh, because if you have some uh, copyright and you have owed it, right, the others uh, cannot owe it, uh, and that makes difference of the people that in the communism. Uh, there, there has no, there must no be any difference of the people. So uh, nobody has right 
to uh, make any special or use something. So that, that was a very strange uh, situation in the beginning of the 90s uh, because we have no copyright laws. Uh, there was a lot of piracy uh, in this country and uh, suddenly a uh, law just written uh, by the politicians uh, to uh, follow the uh, Western uh, normal uh, law normative. Uh, so uh, our software business has just gone to illegal uh, in that case. Nobody uh, gets this situation uh, really uh, serious, just laughing it, uh, do the business as usual, but a lot of cops uh, just appeared in the open street market uh, to collect all of the, these copies and, uh, and present the sellers. And th that is what I do in the last three years and they said that's the new law you found mm. so. yeah so it sounds like you fix one problem and then you run into another problem so yeah. first you said the political thing changed and you were allowed to uh, import the, the hardware legally but there was no software because there were there were new no uh, no new yeah. games and then when you copied the games so you actually get software it was illegal to copy the game so you had it you had, you had the next problem yeah. um so i understand that um you always had to fight with um with barriers and to find new ways and i guess this is what led to um hungarian software companies doing yeah, uh, new c64 games or how did that involve uh, that, there was a co uh, software company uh, in Hungary that was the Novotrade. Novotrade was a, a big communism import-export firm uh, led by the state itself. Uh, and there was a software developing department, but it's a really hard story because they are working uh, for orders from the Western, uh, Western firm uh, for that is for hard money because Hungarian for instance was was not a um, you cannot buy American dollars from uh, Hungarian for uh, back in the 80s because there was no com conversation value because uh, in the communism uh, there are there are no market for for the uh, currencies uh, there is a very strict way to uh, Control the market, and and when the free market just arrived, and a really a strange situation that was a back then for the people. So, uh, not new companies formed uh, for creating games, uh, but uh, these sellers who are who have a lot of money uh, in the software selling business. Uh, just think about how can we. Uh, selling software. If we have no new software, we cannot copy the software. So there is some guy, uh, uh, especially in the demo scene, uh, who can write uh, legal uh, and brand new uh, game software for the Hungarian market. And there was a, a really strange uh, product, and that that was a product what I uh, present on the booth. Uh, at the back in the Gamescom, and fun fact, 
the name of the first firm who created this game is Com Games. So if you transfer the words, it's almost, almost Gamescom. Com Game GM. That is the name of this uh, very tiny uh, software uh, developing firm. And there was only two persons who, who making these games, Domokos Sandor and Udvari Laszlo. So, okay. the first uh, software uh, was The Long Life. I have it in my uh, hand. Uh, have, have you seen that? Yes, sure, I see oh. it. Yeah. It's a long life. It's a quite decent uh, fighting game for Commodore 64. Uh, there is some strangeness in, in it. Uh, the music of the title screen was just stolen uh, from a demo, the Commodore 64 demo, and there was uh, an impact uh, some years ago when the uh, original composer just, this is my song and nobody said that that was in, in a, a Richard game. Wow. <laughs> so, we just uh, recognize that if you have no time for uh, develop, you can still uh, in a, a closed market because these guys never talk, uh, their products will uh, meet the original composers on the Western uh, demo scenes. So we have uh, the recent scene releases uh, imported on discs, and these guys didn't know any uh, person or members of, of the uh, international demo scene. So they, they just uh, steal some content. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I've noticed actually that many of those Hungarian games um, are actually hot items on um, eBay when it comes to being priceful. I mean, there is there are games that the sellers want like 4,000 euros for a single Hungarian Z64 game. Of course, in original pack packaging and with manual and disc, but I really think, is it worth that much money? <laughs> you know? In our community, the price of these games is about uh, 40 euros. One, one, 10,000 forints, so it's, it's not, not that hard. The, the, the most expensive Hungarian uh, game is, is the newcomer. It's it's not not more uh, than one one hundred euros. So if if you can sell it on one hundred euros, that that you are a lucky guy. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, but, but but we are talking about the original uh, about the original newcomer from ninety three, not about the extended English one that was released in two thousand one, right? That's a different uh, newcomer because the newcomer that we know over here is the English version. Yeah, that, that is the uh, ultimate newcomer or not. Now, Enhanced Newcomer. The Enhanced Newcomer wasn't uh, released on, on the box version, just on the downloadable from the internet. I think. Exactly, so, exactly. The yeah. original newcomer in, in the uh, uh, collector's box, <laughs> that was the name because the first print, the first 2000, uh, when I, as I said, uh, they don't plan to uh, pushing more or pressing more and just sold in, the, in one or two days 
and after that they uh, making another print either much lower uh, quality without uh, the art box and without anything you just can buy uh, in a black box uh, with five uh, floppy disks for Commodore that, that was the second edition and that was not collected collector edition so the collector edition of the new original newcomer in Hungarian uh, don't uh, don't uh, so you can buy it on 100 euros in in Hungary if somebody wants to sell it uh, on water or watery is the Hungarian eBay. Ah, okay. So that means if you want to buy any of the Hungarian games, you have to go to the Hungarian eBay, as you say. Yeah. Hungarian eBay is lottery. If you want to buy something, uh, you just try that. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Well, personally, I wouldn't I wouldn't spend 4,000 euros for, for a game. <laughs> not 4,000, just 100. <laughs> 100, and, and that is the, the most expensive. Uh, uh, version. At mm. this game, the long life, it's about 40 euros, that's all. And, and you can still buy them? Uh, from the original retailer, not. Uh, but if, if somebody wants to sell it, you can buy it. I won't sell my... my <laughs> this is not my... Uh, this is the uh, property of the Inzercoin Association. Uh, I am the president of this association uh, to um, represent the Hungarian uh, gamer culture. And this is the room of the association. Just look around. There is a very big mess. And there are a lot of stuff here. Well, perfectly looks like my living room. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, not a living room. It's a mess room. Okay. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Well, I asked Martin, if you have a lot of collector stuff, it turns into a mess, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is not mine. This is the, uh, the chest house of, of the association. So, the kind of... There is a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of... Not collectible things, because the association... It's it's not about the rare things. It's about the uh, uh, the favorite, but the latest things. So it's favorite, but uh, what we have uh, no any uh, representation on the market. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that we talk about that because all I know about Hungarian games, I I knew from Lemon sixty four. And then you see, you know, screenshots and you can download the games from GameBase and you think like, oh, that's that, that are nice games. But um, I never actually had the chance to talk to somebody living in Hungary and knowing those games, you know, in person. So this is why when, when, we, when we saw your booth at Gamescom, I, I said to Martin, we have to talk to those guys. It's the first time I see... <laughs> Those games in a box in physical existence, because yeah. uh, before that it was just a myth, you know. You, you knew, okay, there are some companies in Sweden, Poland, and and Hungary making uh, games for the C64, but you never had the chance as a person outside of Hungary to see them or to buy them yourself. 
At least I don't think so. I don't remember um, having access to that. So it appears to me that those Hungarian software companies never approached the markets outside of Hungary? Or am I totally mistaken? There was, wasn't any market outside of Hungary because uh, the Western people uh, using Amigas, uh, PCs, uh, and back then the NES. And at Hungary, there wasn't any. Amiga wasn't any. PC, we just have Commodore 64 and Spassies. Uh, we, we, uh, mm, we are taken over by the decade, uh, by the Western civilization. So, uh, I we, see. We were uh, at a decade back uh, from uh, the, the market. So, if you want to sell uh, new software, Commodore 64 for the Western country, uh, I think that wasn't any do any success. So these games have no any uh, translate to the, any language. It's just uh, released in Hungary and, and in, in Hungarian language. I see, I see. Um, but I remember I was doing an interview that was like oh, five years ago with the um, developers of a newcomer and yeah. they they figured that the outside of hungary there was uh, the uh, retro hype and that is why they actually decided to make an english version of the game and release it to the market and as you maybe know protovision is actually the company who published the English version of Newcomer for them in a nice box and with manual and so on. So um, so at least those guys broke out of the Hungarian boundary. Um, so I wonder, I mean, nowadays it even it's even stronger because you have games like Sam's Journey, who is currently de developed for an NAS even. So the retro market is growing again. Yeah, it is. Uh, the guys who developed the newcomer and they uh, create uh, the enhanced newcomer for the public, uh, that was back in the 2001 and two. So, exactly, yeah. Uh, that was uh, before uh, the, the, the wave of, of the retro just come around. And, but uh, that was, that story, the long life, the Burago rally, uh, was a decade, uh, that was a, before a decade, so that was in 1994 and, and 5 and 6. Uh, the newcomer was originally released in Hungary in 1994 or, or 5. Uh, the Long Life was released in 1994, the Bura Gurali in 1995, and uh, the Boom, uh, the, the, lit, the Little Children, or, or uh, what? The Little Brother of the Doom. Oh, this is the this is the the shame thing. Uh, uh, we all all of us just uh, reading about the new games on the uh, the magazines. But there and here's the name of the the most popular magazine. I don't know how, how the light in it. Well, I can, I can see it, no problem. Yes, actually, actually you're right. It's 576 k, k bytes. the software. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's not the software. That was the magazine. 
and those guys who have uh, uh, invented a lot of uh, to the privacy market, the, the piracy market in the beginning of the 19th, and these guys who just uh, save uh, their market uh, by to make it legal. So that uh, that was a branch or something. The guys who were running this business and uh, the publishing, the the games, publishing the magazines. The magazines uh, came with all, always the new stuff, and the guys just like me, who has just uh, only uh, the Commodore 64 system, no PC, no one has no nothing, and we saw, saw the doom uh, on the PC, and wow, that is the reality. And after that, uh, one year, uh, in, in 1996, they just published a Doom-like game uh, named Boom. <laughs> Yeah, this is really nice. The, 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 the Co- Co- Commodore 64 first-person shooter, yeah. Uh, have you? Uh, do you remember how, how the new cameras uh, UI look looking looks like? Um, well, I I know that I have played. I, I know that I have played Boom and. Um, and huh. I know that it's from 1996, and in demo scene cycles, it's called the Doom for the Z64, because people say it's the closest you can get of of Doom for the Commodore 64. There, there was an advertisement who said uh, the shotgun sound in the Boom just uh, grabbed it uh, from the original PC version. So if you have. And that sound was uh, digitalized from the digitalized sound of the original PC. Yeah, you can see on the Commodore 64. Uh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah. that, that, that was the game for us. I, I remember. Uh, I just, uh, I just uh, broke. Uh, that was a present to the Christmas for me from my parents, the long life. And and the first time when I uh, tried the story mode, I just uh, recognized there is a glitch. If you just uh, do the leg sweeping move and you can spam it uh, the whole time. And if you can hit the enemy, uh, to the edge of of the track, that there is a little bastion or something on the edge. Uh, you can kill any uh, characters of, of the story mode. So I can hit the game uh, after the uh, the launch of the Christmas before it, it was a fallen night. So that was a, a very really short uh, story mode for me and hmm. that was a ki- kind of uh, disappointment hmm. I see yeah well um, what should I say hmm well, I'm. I'm. It's, it's interesting for me that I didn't know that um, 576 kilobyte was actually a magazine. I always thought it was a software company. So this is totally news for me. Um, really? Yeah. Well, 
as I said, um, outside of Hungary, we really didn't know a lot about um, what's what's going on in your country. So it's really interesting for me to hear all these stories, you know. This is an original, but uh, it's a kind of 576 of the game back then. Uh, they were selling, and there are Commodore 64 games, Commodore 64 cassette. Commodore 64s. Yes. Yeah, I see it. Oh, okay, oh, oh. nice. So, these are the Koste, uh, that is a castle. Uh, long life is the long life, but I just see it. No limit, <laughs> it's a restoring game. And well, that's all kind of, of a catalog, that's kind of a catalog for Hungarian yeah. games. Okay. And it's not, not for Hungarian games, it's all the games you can order from uh, their uh, software shop. So okay, interesting. They, they are running a software shop too, uh, back in Hungary. And these times, in 1994, uh, there was only three uh, in the whole country. This is at Budapest, this is at Pécs, this is at George. George. Okay. So th three town, three uh, shops. That's all, all, was, that all uh, what he has in physical shops. Uh, and he has, is just running by, by his magazines, and you can order it, of course. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting, interesting. And um, how long did how long did this um, kilobyte magazine last? I mean, if if I look at Lemon sixty four, I see that the the last game was Boom in ninety six that is listed here. Yeah, th that was the last game. Uh, what they uh, what they published. So th that was the end of this business. And after that, they are selling consoles and PC games because the situation just normalized in the country. Uh, Why the uh, really, really, really strange 90s. So mm. after the 2000 years, uh, Hungary was a kind of uh, ordinary, it's uh, not strange. It's everything going well uh, in the eastern uh, normal. So we have a poor country, but we, if you have money, you can do anything with it. But uh, this is the situation after a decade of the political uh, systems changed. So, so you you said at the beginning of the interview that you are quite young and that um, you didn't really experience the beginning of all that. So, what made you stick with the Commodore sixty four, and why didn't you just move on? As you said, the situation in your country normalized, I, but I you moved. kept on with retro in a way. I moved on. Uh, I was a PC gamer still. Uh, to 2006, and back then I was really addicted uh, to the Counter Strike, but I have I had a really bad flash after uh, three three days continuous gaming. It just uh, my my mind just fall out, poof, uh, and I uh, walked a bill of my computer, and I think. Oh my god, I'm so addicted, so I have to delete that shit. And after that, I delete the Counter Strike. 
uh, and I swear to myself, I'm just playing uh, not multiplayer, so uh, single player games. After that, I want to uh, try the crisis. The cry, uh, I have no uh, uh, good enough PC for the crisis, so I uh, developed my PC at the last time in my life. Uh, and the crisis didn't run so well, so I fed up and I, I changed to, I was a, I was at the PC master race, but back then there wasn't any kind of man. Uh, and I had switched to the Nintendo V. And on the Nintendo V, I just realized I have no idea what is the Nintendo V. So, uh, I remember in the 90s uh, there was some shops when you, you can rent uh, these systems. You have no money uh, to own, but own that, but you have rented to one or two nights and you can try uh, the, uh, the newest games like uh, Sonic to uh, Mario World for SNES and that's on, but that was uh, really far memories. Uh, at the 2000, the middle of the 2000s. So after these years, I, I recognized I never ever follow any games but PC games. So uh, I ha I feel I have some uh, cultural deficit. So I have to, uh, to talk to myself uh, to the gaming culture what I missed because I was a PC and uh, there was a really long journey uh, started with the Zelda game and after that I uh, I explored my my old myself the guy who uh, playing Commodore with his brother so and this is how I uh, uh, Rejoin or reunite again uh, my my Commodore guys, uh, my stuff, and that was a really uh, deep, uh, really deep thing in me, and this, that was the time when we start to uh, org organize retro parties uh, in my uh, living room, and th this pro process is just expanding and expanding. After that, uh, we just uh, found an association, that is the Inzercoin Association, uh, organizing more parties, uh, explore uh, the Hungarian gaming culture, uh, the roots and actualities and the between then uh, connecting uh, the new stuff with the uh, old stuff. It's a long story and it's getting wider, wider, like the Duna. <clears throat> okay, see. Well, it's it's interesting that you even create an um, association to, as I said, to preserve and um, spread the Hungarian culture and history in video games. Because, as I said before, um, before I saw your Hungarian Pixels booth, I had no touch with the Hungarian game scenes except with with doing an interview with the newcomer guys, but I never knew there was a magazine that published uh, C64 games and all the troubles in getting uh, games and software for the Commodore 64 because of the Iron Cert uh, uh, Curtain. Iron Curtain. 
Yeah. So that's really very interesting to hear. Um, so, so what what else do you do in this insert coin association? You said you organize uh, meetings, oh. retro meetings, and you you sp you spread the culture knowledge around. So, and and a part of this is your Gamescom booth. Yep. So, so what what are the uh, act activities in general? Are there other activities we didn't cover yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are there are a lot. Uh, we just uh, organized a greater party here in Hungary, and we uh, invite. Uh, you know who is I Livingston? Ian Livingston. No. Uh, he is the creative manager of the Aidos, uh, but his favorite. Uh, He's, pop he's popular in Hungary because he wrote some books uh, where you are uh, the hero. Do you know that book? No. Highway of your uh, death labyrinth. Oh, so, I'm not. I'm not really in, into it, such books. I'm afraid it, it's, a, it's a kind of game uh, by reading books. Uh, every paragraph at the end, uh, you you have some choose. And if you choose to go into the labyrinth, uh, just uh, page to the 69. If you want to uh, uh, talk uh, to the dwarf, uh, just uh, page to the 122. So okay. never, never uh, played that game before. No, but but I know, but I know the concept of that kind of books. I know what you mean. Yeah, I've so, I've seen such books before. <clears throat> Ian Livingstone was the main writer of this style, and we invited him to uh, to a gathering, and there was uh, 300 guys who want to meet him. So <laughs> that, that was a, a really long queue uh, to uh, uh, making autographs, and this uh, show was included by uh, a bigger. Um, Attraction called uh, Arcadia. Arcadia. Do you know we have a pinball museum here in Budapest? I've heard about it. Um, yeah. I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pinball museum was the organizer of Arcadia. Arcadia uh, is a, a really big uh, retro arcade uh, game room with three hundred uh, uh, games. So it's really big. And that's uh, open for public only three days, so it's a kind of corner exhibition. And the second day, we just uh, organized the stage uh, with cultural programs. It's talking about the um, the connection, the Hungarian literature with the video games. Uh, have you ever uh, something like that, uh, like the Witcher for the, the Poland? Know what I mean? The Witcher, um, for, the Witcher is a, a novel written by a, a Polish writer, and and the the Polish uh, game game <coughs> game development culture and uh, uh, the local uh, writers uh, making a really really hard uh, community to create a really good game like The Witcher. In Hungary, there is no uh, any connection uh, 
something like that. Uh, but uh, after we just uh, triggered some speeches about that theme, uh, I think there will be uh, some consequences when the writer uh, wants to uh, working together with game developers and vice versa, the game developers are finding writers to write good stories, what they can implement uh, the game from it. Uh, have you uh, beat the game newcomer? Uh, yes, I've played. I've played the game newcomer. I actually yeah. own the game newcomer. I own this um, English version in a box and a manual. Yeah. Yeah, but ha have you beat the game? No, no. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm a really bad gamer. Um, I'm I'm uh, collecting games and I'm doing interviews like this interview now, but I'm not really beating a game. Maybe except racing games, um, but but that's I guess that's about the only genre I can actually beat. You know, uh, I, of course, of course, I've I've I have played through games like Maniac Mansion and Zack McCracken. So adventure games I tend to to play t till they are um, beaten, but any other action games. Not really. And um, I have to admit, role-playing games are not my favorite genre, but I, lo I love Newcomer because it's a technical marvel. I mean, you have this huge intro that is fully animated and you have tons of environments and rooms, and that's just crazy. I mean, the, the whole game is spread across 14 disc sites. That's like the largest C64 game I've ever seen. 14, just five. No, was it five? Oh, okay, but but two-sided. So at least it <laughs> yeah. should be ten. Okay, it was ten, ten disc sides. And the, not... the intro was uh, two sides in it. Uh, the the newcomer has a really hard backstory, and it's not about the background. And uh, from the point of view of the hero, uh, you just rolling out a really hard and really wide and really deep story. That was hilarious. And that was Newcomer. Uh, but we never uh, see uh, any any approach uh, like this uh, later or before uh, the Newcomer. So uh, I, I, I speak, uh, I speak the, the owner of the right of the Newcomer I want to buy it because uh, I can uh, create a really hardcore game from it uh, for the uh, modern systems. And he said there is only one guy who uh, who can try uh, uh, republish the newcomer. It's me. That's all. <laughs> okay. Oh wow. Okay, that's kind of harsh. But but I guess yeah, people want to protect what they did. I guess. Uh, right. I think I definitely that is a really really good story and 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 this story must reach a very wider uh, audience after that uh, I just write a book from myself so this is my creation of the last year <coughs> I've, okay. I wrote a book but it's not for video games uh, but there is a lot of influence by video games because my uh, word making is, is really uh, familiar uh, <laughs> to the Nintendo game. Uh, in this book, uh, there is a space station uh, where are uh, 
where they are producing luxury foods. And there are sectors <coughs> of the space station and named by colors. The, the green apartment is where the agriculture things uh, doing. The uh, gray apartment where the uh, machine supplies. Uh, the brown apartment where, where the soil enrichment center. Uh, and that also every uh, sector uh, can describe by one color. What uh, do you know the Mario games? I think. Of course, I know Mario. I I, yeah. I was glad that I was able to um, to interview uh, Charles Martinet for the podcast once. Um, who who is the voice actor of Mario? So yes, I'm very much in the picture of Mario. Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah. If if I say uh, yellow, uh, which, which Mario word uh, came in the picture? Oh gosh. Well, uh, then I, I'm not sure if I can say by color. Um, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. No, no, I I can't really answer that. Um, okay. The yellow is the color of the desert. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if, if I see uh, red, there there is a uh, red and gray, and that is the uh, color shame of, of a castle uh, with the lava. Yeah, that's true. That lava levels. Oh. Yeah. So it's about uh, the the gaming. It's uh, making by a really really uh, simple symbol. Because back then the uh, the technical difficulties are making uh, a more creative and and a more simpler approach uh, to designing video games. So this is how uh, my writing influenced by the video games to making. Uh, a space station uh, described its sectors by, only by colors. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. Never heard about that, but why not? Uh, so, but how, how did we uh, reach that theme? Because you said you asked the creator of the newcomer story if you can borrow the story for making another kick-ass game out of the newcomer uh, story. And he said no. So you said you create your own story instead. That is yeah, how we reached but, that. But, but that wasn't that story because when I start uh, to writing this, I, I forget this story. But maybe my next or, or my next next book uh, will... Uh, written directly uh, for a uh, story for a video game. Maybe. Maybe yeah. we, we can do some faxes or not. Why not? I mean, um, I mean, there are good examples. For example, um, Ready Player One is a good example where it worked, you know, or Racket Wolf. So, um, um, video played a video game. Um, Centered books and stories—they they work out sometimes. Uh, no, uh, I want to write a story. What what, what uh, can be work in the video game? So it's ah, not, not, okay, not a story about, for a video game. I see. Uh, in my book, in that book, the uh, two two thousand one hundred and forty-eight. Oh, I I never pronounced it in in English before. <laughs> no, but, no problem. No problem. But uh, I, I trans translated uh, the first. Uh, th this book has 
three parts, and and these three parts originally was three uh, e-books, and the first e-books uh, e-book has translated to English, so you can read it if you want. It's free. Oh, uh, nice. Okay. No, it's not free yet. Uh, when I publish the second uh, part, I, I make it the first part free. So. Ah, I see. I understand. But, okay. but, it, but it's cheap. Okay. Uh, I, I lost the line where I was. You, 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 you said about publishing your ebooks. And no, before that. Before that, you wrote, you you said you wanted to make a book um, with yeah, a story book, for yeah. for using in a video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you no uh, before that, I I like to describe the, one of the characters of my book. Uh, she is a, a lady uh, at her age at eighty, uh, but. Uh, she behaves uh, like a guy uh, who was at his 30 who lives uh, at the basement of his mother and playing video games and uh, smoke weed. So uh, it's about the infantilization. You know that word? Infantilization. Incontinization? Not in, really. In, infantilization. Infant, in, infantilism is uh, when uh, adult guys uh, ma making things what, what they want like in her childhood, in his childhood. So uh, our generation never uh, really became adults. Uh, we, we are not conservated in our childhood. We just continued it. So we, we are we was we have never become adults. And in this book, uh, there is uh, an Asian uh, uh, lady at her uh, 80 years old, and uh, he becomes like a, a teenager guy. So, uh, in uh, in the late future, uh, I think uh, the mankind will be very uh, infantilist or something like that. Have you seen uh, the uh, movie The Idiocracy? Idiocracy? No, no, uh -oh. no, no. But I have heard of the movie, but I didn't see it. I see, see it. Uh, in, in this days, uh, I think that that is it's not a not a comedy; it's a tragedy <laughs> because we are uh, a very uh, fast. Uh, we are very fast trained, just reaching a death uh, state of, of the society. When any uh, any man and any woman will be a big and dumb child or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, of course, um, when you look at at how what people say, the society, they all say that. Um, the youth is getting stupid, you know, less educated and stuff, uh, not able to read proper and stuff. So maybe we are getting there already. I don't know. We are we are not uh, uh, less educated, uh, but uh, we're taking uh, the things uh, less serious. So I, I think uh, when I uh, reach my 
my mm, or what my base is my my my, my childhood it's about uh, to rebel uh, uh, rebel against to become adult but now i have wife three children and my wife uh, still he has four children and i am the fourth <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah well i mean um I mean, I don't know how how Martin sees it, but I think when we were at at Gamescom and, and um, we had some appointments at the business area, we all felt a bit like shies, right, Martin? When we, yeah, we when did. you when you played uh, hyper sports and moving all the time, <laughs> it, it was uh, next generation uh, summer games. So, yeah, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. <laughs> so uh, I mean that's the best thing of Gamescom. You can actually be a child again, you know. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, we have a T-shirt design uh, with Quick Shot Killers, and there is a Quick Shot uh, on it. But I haven't found it. this is generally. No, no problem, no problem. You can you can always send me a picture later if you don't find it now. It's not a problem. Okay, I, so if you want to kill, kill some quick shot just playing uh, summer games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, joystick killer. Oh my god. But but uh, but I had a grandfather, he was like a MacGyver. He always repaired them when I broke them. So I could I could break my joysticks as much as I wanted. I was like, no problem, I will fix it for you. micro <laughs> switches. <laughs> you can... So that's not where the VD14 uh, the stuff. Oh, oh, what I have it. And this was the poster of, of our previous party. And this is the sign of autograph of I Live in Stone. Okay, nice. So that's the. And the last year. Uh, we have a party with John Romero. Oh yeah, John Romero, Mr. Doom. Yeah, that's that's uh, the next guy on my list to interview, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. What is what is the timetable? So uh, now <laughs> you want to uh, call him? Um, no, no, no. Um, um, we we will have um, we will have the appointments in December or early next year. So it's not happening anytime soon. Um, because you know, um, his wife wrote me they are always busy traveling, so it won't be easy to find an appointment where where uh, John yeah. Romero has time. Uh, if you speak with him, uh, please say hello in my name. Of course, I will. Yeah. So um, uh, I have I have poster too with his face with obey the master obey the master but I haven't found any shit in the map now I have no clue where it is no problem any yeah. anyway interestingly for me John Romero was always the guy who did Commander Keen because that is one of the first PC games I played as a child. Because that was uh, maybe the first PC game what, what was worked. The yeah. First, the first platformer. Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, I, I played it on my school computer 
and of course at school they wouldn't have doom you know <laughs> so commander keen was a lot more uh, child friendly and school uh, school friendly compared yeah. to doom of course yeah back at school and the elementary we played uh, the prehistoric two yeah yeah right do you know the prehistoric um, no, is this a, is that another game? Uh, it's not Hungarian. Uh, I think that is uh, the prehistoric is from Telemus. No, not Telemus. Okay. Telemus okay. It, it created the creatures. Uh, just what? Who created? Titus. That was a, a red fox in his logo. Yeah. Titus. Titus? Okay. Titus yeah, Detective, yeah. Okay. I have no internet now, so I'm just sitting. Well, well we have. We have. We uh, have I, know, I know the game prehistoric, is, of course. <laughs> yeah, I know the Amiga, yeah. That was a, a really good game. And mm -hmm. that is, that's uh, what our uh, informatic class uh, is about the stunts and the prehistoric. So, <laughs> We learned those two CD games, yes, and Pre2.exe, <laughs> and the prehistoric just began to uh, in play. Oh, interesting. So it's good that I have Marty here. He knows. He knows that. I I didn't know that. <laughs> um, you know, um, when when I was a child, like I don't know, eight or ten, I was always happy when the sh when the when the PC teacher said, the computer teacher said, "Okay, now you can now you have some playtime. You can start Commander Keen." I was like, "Yeah, Commander Keen!" That yeah. that was my my childhood memory um, in elementary school. And um, of course, when we were like 16 and the teacher didn't see it, we installed um, Duke Nukem 3D, wow. you know. <laughs> mm. uh, but, but that was back at uh, 1996. How exactly, I? 1996, when I was 16, you know. Yeah, so then, then you are older than me. Yeah, well, I don't know how old you are, but but I'm 36. I'm 36 too. <laughs> so, so same age. So same age. Yeah. Same age, but in 1996 I was uh, 14. 14. Yes. Okay. Of course, it depends on at which month you have your birthday. I I have my birthday in March. And I'm in, in October. Ah, okay, the other end of the year. Okay, that makes uh, that makes 1982, sense. but I see, I see. In October, 1982. Yes, me, 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 me too. I'm, I'm, my, my birthday is in March 15th, 1982. Yeah, yeah. same yeah. year but different month. Okay, um, right, right. Um, One story more. Uh, this magazine, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, 576, uh, do you know uh, how, how uh, this number calculated? Well, well, I'm not a coder or something, but I guess it has to do with, I don't know, um, memory or disk space or anything? It, it, uh, uh, it's memories, but uh, or, uh, combined with two computers. 
the Commodore 64 have 64 kilobytes, and Amiga, how many that have? I don't know. Ami uh, Martin is our Amiga. 520. If you add the two numbers, 520 and 64, and you got 575. Six. Okay, so. interesting. So, so it's, this, this, is the, this is the origin of, of the name. And the guys uh, who uh, founded this magazine uh, have uh, a kind of enterprise uh, called the Prostorg. A Prostorg, uh, when all, almost all of the uh, Hungarian pirated uh, discs uh, from these guys, that was two guys or three. Uh, and if you write him a letter, you want to uh, these titles, and uh, you just uh, put the money in, in the envelope and send there. And uh, at the the turn of the post, uh, you will have uh, the 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 games what you want. And the the first uh, two years of this magazine, it, it's uh, about to advertise uh, their company uh, to. Oh, just write as the letter. We have this list uh, of uh, the uh, uh, the games, and if you want to, just send the prize. And they have a lot of money on it. But after uh, when the copyright law uh, established at Hungary, uh, they switch really really fast. And that was a guy who who is whose name is Martin. Uh, Ma Martin. Uh, just published uh, an article, one of his uh, magazine, uh, to say, guys, we are legal now, and we are proud legal, and there was no any, any, any uh, uh, law-breaking methodology in our history, blah, blah, blah. Uh, of course. I, and that was the time I really hated that guy when <laughs> I reading that uh, shit. But I was only uh, twelve years old, and I, I I feel this guy is a shit. And uh, this guy have a really long story. And back then, all fighters have points. Uh, uh, Above eight uh, person. Okay. So only only good ratings. I see. Because, okay, because if uh, they do, uh, don't write good ratings, they won't get any uh, testing. Uh, you mean a testing sample? You mean a testing and, sample? And and this guy just wrote. This was the art poetic of of this uh, guy. And after that, they are running another magazine, uh, like uh, the local PlayStation magazine. And there was uh, a lot of youngsters, uh, Martin Jugend, because every uh, internet forum, uh, if you say any, any uh, bad word about the Sony and, or the PlayStation, uh, you will got the Martin Jugend on her, uh, your neck uh, at the uh the internet forum so th th there are some really interesting characters uh above uh, the stories uh, of the dark ages of the hungarian games 
Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, seems to be a hard business, you know, if you if you are not allowed to say a bad word and stuff, and otherwise you have to uh, you have to be um, afraid of risking your neck. Yeah. That's really heavy, heavy stuff there. That's good. But uh, nowadays uh, we have a quite decent uh, culture on the internet. So I read some American uh, forums. The American, Americans gone crazy, really. The alt-right, the SGV. What are you doing now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just read it. What? In Hungary, we have a, a quite of peace. We have no uh, culture war or something on the internet. Uh, we have peace now. But back then, there was a, a really harsh... Uh, Fanboy wars uh, triggered by this Martin guy. <laughs> that was really shit. Okay. But these days are gone. I hmm. think. And so nowadays you are more concentrating on the peaceful method of spreading the word and keeping the history alive. You, you know, I guess a lot of. Um, a lot of people outside of Hungary would be um, envy, um, envy you for having boxes of all those Hungarian Z64 games, you know. <laughs> but I have, uh, I don't have much because I don't collect these things. Uh, I have what I want to uh, present on the booths. So we are doing part of all of these games for the uh, uh, the famous gaming consoles and gaming platforms of the past. So we have to uh, preserve by presentation. It's not, not preserved by collecting things. So we have do we don't have that uh, much titles. And the these are the titles what anybody has. Star Wars Racers, GoldenEye, Mario Kart, Cruising USA. It's not, not rare things. It's not uh, uh, expensive things. I have a rule at the association: we don't buy uh, retro games what has price over uh, ten euros. So okay, if I, I see. If, if somebody, if some games what I can't below ten euros, I won't get it. I see. I see. Um, so let's talk a bit about your presence of Gamescom. How did you actually? get involved in having a booth of um, a, um, at the retro area at Gamescom and um, and presenting the games as Hungarian pixels. I mean, I mean, um, as you said, Hungary was quite isolated. So did they get in touch with you or did you find them or how did it work out? Last year, uh, I was at the booth uh, of the Wacond. Uh, the the moment for uh, have you been there last year? Yes, I have been I, at last Gamescom, but uh, but I didn't I didn't I didn't see you last Gamescom. I, I didn't I, meet you. There, but but only for two days. Ah, uh, okay, okay. It was another Hungarian booth at, at uh, two, uh, twenty fifteen, the moment three. That was a document Hungarian documentary about the Hungarian. Uh, uh, gamer business, the beginning of the Hungarian gamer business. Uh, do you remember that booth? 
Yes, I remember that the uh, the movie was actually shown at the retro booth also. Yeah, and uh, the guy who ran that booth, uh, he, uh, he was alone, and he asked me uh, to uh, hop in for some days uh, at uh, Gamescom uh, because uh, they he was alone and he wanted to some uh, company or party. Uh, the guys was alone at uh, his booth because yeah. nobody uh, accepts uh, the invitation of him, of him to games to go to the Gamescom for a, a war, uh, week. Ah, and, yeah, I see. Yeah, of of course, it's very stressful. Um, yeah, I, I I put my hand on. And I have three days, uh, and I I like to see wh- what is Gamescom, so um, I I just uh, run to the plane and uh, buy the ticket and arrive to the Gamescom at night, and I will sleep uh, in his car on the rooftop. Uh, for oh my God! Days. Okay. And uh, the guys just uh, bring my. Uh, retro music stuff, uh, stuff uh, to the Gamescom, and I make make us. I think that was only two occasion at the retro uh, uh, music uh, stage. So I I have a band, you know, one person band, the Double Score Dungeon, and I I made a show uh, for us two times last. Year. And after that, uh, these guys, Motushi Pilar, uh, just uh, uh, make me in contact with René, René Meyer. Exactly, uh, yeah, that's his name, yeah. René Meyer, and I said, uh, next year, uh, maybe we can uh, do uh, a show, a booth, uh, to presenting uh, the Hungarian uh, retro culture specialties and that was a deal back then and this year uh, we just uh, <clears throat> uh, making our words so and the man of words if I say something I, I will I will do that so my wife didn't uh, wasn't so happy but and uh, for a whole week uh, she remains here with three children so uh, uh, that was a hard, hard week uh, for her too, and for me too uh, at the Gamescom camp because I was uh, drunk in every night <laughs> with the local guys. So that was a good experience for me. And all uh, days I have a, a gig at the stage, so I have three, no, no, four. Uh, Act and the double score with double score dungeon at the stage. Mm-hmm. Have you heard, have you heard me? Today, um, um, not me, but I think Martin did right because Martin, you told me about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Two of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, on the internet, double score dungeon record. There is some double score dungeon record on the internet on. From the Gamescom stage. Oh. Ah, ah, okay. You you mean you mean there is a recording on the internet of the Gamescom stage? 
not me, the others, and, and upload it to the internet. Ah, okay, interesting, yeah. I, I think I think while you played, Martin was walking around and I was at the booth, at our Sceneworld booth, I think. Yeah. Uh, what's your next plan after Gamescom? I mean, uh, do you have any future plans or did you reach everything you had you had in your mind and you are happy now? <laughs> no, there is no any goal what I can reach because uh, I have no goals. I, I just have a route to, to walk on. Uh, the next big thing, uh, the next we organized parties, uh, the, our big parties is Pixelcon, and that was there, the Pixelcon. Mm -hmm. And in Hungary, uh, next year I want to uh, invite uh, some uh, really uh, famous YouTubers, AVGN, 8-bit guy, don't know. Uh, oh, the 8-bit guy, yeah, of course, who doesn't know him? Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, have we enough... Uh, fans, local fans, to create enough money to invite him uh, for a show. So we have some, uh, do some calculations and invite him. Uh, and after that, he had to excite, accept our invitation. I think AVGN uh, can be a, a bigger stuff than 8-bit guy, but I'm more interested in 8-bit guy because he's genius. I really like his show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. The um, angry video game nerd is really hard to catch, and the, that that might be very hard to get him to Hungary. Um, I guess eight bit guys is a lot more uh, likely that he would come to Hungary uh, to your event. I think maybe, maybe or maybe not. Uh, uh, my specialty uh, to surprise the local fans. How did you? Uh, uh, invite John Romero. I was drunk at uh, Pixel Heaven at uh, Warsaw and I just typed him a message on Skype. Uh, do you want to uh, come to Hungary uh, to the next year? And after that, uh, yes, uh, uh, typed to my wife because she is my manager. Okay. And I typed a message to his, to his wife. Uh, while I was drunk at uh, a game uh, geek party at Warsaw, the Pixel Heaven. Mm. So this, this is the uh, this is the uh, beginning of a story, and other stories it's about typing emails and messages and so on. Uh, we have some references, and I think uh, we have a. a So it seems to be cool. We are not professionals. Uh, I don't speak any official language because you you say how how can I speak in English and how can I write? So maybe it's a kind of catchy uh, for uh, the native English uh, that guy. And after that, I, I send the references and show. See, this is the party. How how are we going? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We, we can. Uh, we can do a really good parties because the pixel cons uh, in the beginning uh, in the afternoon it's a family friendly party and after uh, 9 p.m. Uh, we create we became it 
kind of disco and and this is why we do the party hard you know li- like in the demo scene oh yeah, yeah yeah i've been to demo scene parties before yeah, i I, really I know parties yeah it's really similar to demo scene but it's uh, about just games it's not not for the demo demo scene is a demo for it's it's for demos not nothing more i think the games is for gamers so it's a more interactive uh, stuff. I really like the guys at the demo scene. I really like. I, I've written a demo uh, too. I've with the wide competition uh, of uh, function this year. Uh, you can uh, see it if you want uh, at the YouTube too. That mm-hmm. was. Uh, have you seen the Pixel Cube? That, that that was at the uh, our booth too. No, not really. I I have to I have to admit I have visited your booth with Martin at the last day of Gamescom, um, as one of the last things actually. Um, but there was a cube with a maze game on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I I've I've written a demo uh, for that hardware, and just put it down on the table, and the big uh, the demo was bigger, and the other thing is that. <laughs> uh, I, I just quit the shit out of this hardware, and that, that was a, a really uh, spectacular demo on 32 by 32 pixels by panels. <laughs> it, uh, so may, maybe, Martin, you can explain what you saw, because I didn't see it. It was this cube, and you had this little uh, um, maze game, and you had to 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 uh, go through the maze by rotating the cube. Actually, that was so a, that this was is what game. I saw. Pardon? Yeah, that was it. That, that's it. Yeah, but I, I never had the chance to 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 play it because always when I I watched over the, the to the booth, and one guy was was playing with it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a that was a big thing on on our booth. Yeah, there was an article uh, what I uh, read about the Gamescom, uh, what uh, mentioned our our cube by the the retro stuff uh, ha- has more in uh, invention than any other stuff, and, and I was so proud. Yeah, the, the retro guys have the inventory is <laughs> something. Yeah, it's actually true, um, because every year I, I hear that the retro area of Gamescom is the most liked area of Gamescom for for all visitors. Because so, it has no no queues. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and my experience with Gamescom is like, you know... Uh, when when uh, parents force their kids to go through the retro area and tell their kids like this is what we had when I was a child, you know, and on, I played I played game I game, I played games on this eighty years old hardware, you know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I totally can relate to that, you know. We are saying about history, and history is uh, is always written, so. I think uh, we uh, can speak this topic about uh, for weeks uh, to 
never reach the the, uh, the same point. Uh, but if you have want to ask uh, something uh, for your gut, and just do it. Where can actually people find more about you? Do you have any internet presence or social media? Uh, in English, no. Uh, the Double Score Dungeon uh, has a, a Facebook page uh, what, where I communicate in English, but the user coin is for the local guys. So uh, it's, it's not, not, not for the international public. So if you want to try about the uh, Google Translate, uh, you may uh, do a search for Insert Coin Egyesület. That's Insert uh, minus coin dot edu. This is our website. I'm I'm so happy that you talked to us. I learned a lot today about the Hungarian video game history and all the scenes and all that was was very interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Well, a whole knowledge gap is closed for me now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Um, so of course I will take a bit of time to edit that, and I will I will let you know when we release it. Okay. Uh, okay, I think uh, I create you a really hard job to uh, cut my uh, English mumbling. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no problem, no problem. It it will sound perfect after I'm yeah. done with it. No problem, don't worry. You know, we never we never had any problems with with that, so it's all fine. I'm very thankful that you took the time. You know, so thanks uh, a lot. Thanks a lot to me too. Bye-bye. So that was it. History lessons about Hungary. Cool. Great. Yes, yes. I'm caught up. I've learned so many things. Nice, nice. Next next time we, we talk about um, C64 on the moon. Yes. <laughs> the moon scene. <laughs> All right. Oh, great. Okay, so see you in the next episode have a nice day or night or morning or whatever you, whatever you do it's always morning on, it's always night on the moon <laughs> nice true okay see ya bye bye